Well, George Landa returns to our show and discusses his musical career, which began as a seventh grader when he witnessed a surprise performance by his classmate, and uh, it led George to a passion for music. He grew up in Nogales. Uh, he'll tell you that he got his chops, sort of, uh, as you would say, playing clubs in Mexico. He had to sneak to Tucson on the bus there to uh, hang out at the Chicago store with his friends and get some advice from local Tucson musicians. And he eventually started playing here in Tucson, clubs like Sharks and the Speakeasy. And he has kind of got his founding, uh, his credo of be good to the music and the music will be good to you after he did an Access television uh, performance there downtown. Um, And his music was was inspiring to a woman who was near the end of her life and and, uh, a CD got into her hands through that performance. And according to her family, it brought peace and tranquility as she passed on from this world. So George at heart is a preacher. He's a guitar player, a singer, a writer. Uh, And he just really loves music and he loves the lifestyle of a musician. You know, according to his, his credo, he told his very first band, they would do great things, they would lead great lives, but probably not make much money. Seems like he's been pretty happy with how things have turned out. He's introspective at this point about his role in this continuum of music. His, his band, Los Naughty Dogs, makes it a point to play the music of those who shape them. Artists like Lalo Guerrero, who George says was influential, especially in the later years of the band. But Naughty Dogs are not an oldies cover band. They play original music, and they put their own modern influences on the classics. I met up with George in a secret underground bunker studio in the heart of downtown to learn about his musical journey from Nogales to Tucson. Yeah, I'm a musician. That's what I do. Um, um, Sometimes I think it's... um... I'm, I'm one of those babies that saw the Ed Sullivan show when the Beatles showed up. I clearly remember seeing that. I remember that moment in time. Uh, and you, so you grew up uh, in, in Nogales and got into music down in, in that area as a, as a youngster? Oh, totally. Um, my older brother was a musician. He was a drummer and a trumpet player. He wasn't too good, but um, he, he was a musician. And we're all baseball players or musicians in my tribe. <laughs> and, um, and then I just remember my, my current drummer, Eddie, we were in seventh grade, and um, he shows up with a guitar and an amp in the, to the class. And Mr. Bachelier, our teacher, says, you know, Eddie's a, a real loser, but he's going to give us a concert, and if it's a good concert, he's going to pass the class. And we're all those jocks are in the back like, what the fork is Eddie doing? You know, we're checking him out. He gets up, his guitar, it's a red guitar and a Kingston amplifier from the great Chicago store. That's where we used to get, always get our gear. I love Joe Lepkowitz, the owner of the yeah. place. He did so much for us. And um, he gets out the guitar and he hits a C chord. He goes, bump, bump, bump. Jeremiah was a bullfrog, bump. And he starts singing and playing it. The crowd goes crazy. We're like chimps in the back screaming, Eddie, ah! We're screaming. Stacy, the front row faints. And we had never seen anything like this in our lives. <laughs> So I asked, asked Eddie, what the hell are you, what, what's going on here? He says, I got a band. And they were playing Black Magic Woman, I Ain't Got Nobody by Santana, House of the Rising Sun. And I said, oh my God, this is mind boggling. I hauled ass home and I pulled out my old guitar. My dad got me when I was like in fourth grade, third grade. And the strings were about two inches high and I'm screaming murder because my guitar is all messed up. I made him bring me to the Chicago store that weekend. 
because I had a paper route, so I had some cash. Okay. And um, I ordered a book at sale, a back of a comic book, How to Play Guitar in Seven Days or Your Money Back, and that was it. <laughs> That's where it started. I'll never forget that moment in time. I know, you were in Nogales at the time? Yeah, totally in Nogales. But, but Chicago store... That, that's it's here. The, so that's the, you, you knew about that in Nogales. That's yeah, what we used to, to do was, um, in Nogales, uh, around ninth grade, eighth grade, Downtown was jumping. It was great. And it was right connected to Nogalsonor. You could come over, walk back and forth. What time frame was this? What? We're talking 1975, 76, okay. 77. Okay. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, 72, 73, 74, 75 okay. to my senior year in high school. So what happened was um, I'd, I would tell my mom I was going downtown. And a, the guy this guy was going to soon be my bass player and my drummer you know, we would hang out together and listen to Grand Funk Railroad and stuff like that. And the guess, the first record we stole from the Kresge was um, the Guess Who's Greatest Hits. <laughs> the first stolen record. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, you know, we, we're kids. We don't have any money anymore. The paper route's gone because we don't work. We don't play. We play music. So we'd tell our parents we're going downtown. But what we would do was we'd hop on Citizen Auto Stage, which is the bus line at that time. Five bucks round trip. Um, we'd come up on the bus, we'd go hang out at the Chicago store, ask all the better musicians, just bug them, you know, and Joe would let us play the amps, and he'd always say, that's too much guitar for you, kid, over there, go over there in that corner. But he was great, he tolerated all our nonsense, he goes, call your mom and we'll get you this amp, this guitar. Well, t fast forward a little bit, so um, you have a band, the band name is... Um... We go by those naughty dogs. See, when, when, when it goes back to the training we have, Back as, when we were kids, once we get into our junior year, like 73, 74, we're, we're, we're getting decent at playing. But the better bands are in Mexico. All the guys that are five, six years older than us with longer hair, they're playing all... Back then, there was the red light district called Canal Street. And at the red light district, all, all the clubs had bands. They'd cover Sinatra, they covered Tom Jones, they covered all these artists. So the musical education in Nogales, Sonora was fantastic because these guys were far more advanced musicians. There's a kind, in those days, you'd put the record and you'd put back the needle. you pull back the needle so you could learn the parts. Mm -hmm. So your ear training got incredible. And um, all of us took music lessons. Uh, you know, I was a trombone player in high school. I once, you know, it was part of the progression of becoming a pianist, learning to read music. Not a great reader, but you know, you learn the theory and all that. But in Mexico, the best bands were there, and you become friends with these guys, and they show you. And then at night, they let you slide in to play a couple of songs while they go get a drink. And it was a great musical education. So we got everything. We learned how to play country, bossa nova, samba, uh, jazz. Uh, couldn't do anything really great, but we got to play it. We learned to play everything. We got it because in Nogales, at night, you could get X Rock 80 out of Juarez. Okay, or you could get um, KOMA out of Oklahoma City, 1520 at night, you know, and there they were playing Layla and stuff like that, or Grand Funk Railroad, so it's a great education, you know, and um, you're getting all this invasion of rock and roll on the border from these late night AM stations, you know. Allegedly, the Wolfman was doing, I never heard, I can't recall ever hearing the Wolfman at okay. X-Rock 80, which was out of Juarez, because they'd go like to 50,000 watts at night. So being on the border was a great musical education. Hmm. And um, and it was a great time to start playing. And you play with all these cover bands. And um, we were in bands where um, we all dressed the same. And um, we played all these regional ballads. We had songs 
you know, eventually we started recording with these bands and we'd always do the tours. The, the best promoter in the 70s was Oscar Stevens, who was a, had, was a radio TV personality in town. And he booked bands like Little Joe. I don't know if you're familiar with them, but they're the king of Tex-Mex, Latin breed. And, um, and they'd bring them in and do big shows at the TCC. So we were like the underbands, but it was a great musical experience. Moving up to the college in the 70s, um, Choo Choo's was right around the corner from here. Cronin, where's his name from REO, was playing there. Um, Randy Castillo, who, used to, who, went, who was in the Womblies, who went on to play with Ozzy, he would go with us to Nogales, Sonora on the weekends and get all messed up with us, you know. Edgar Winter's drummer got messed up with us and hung around. Felix Popolardi, people like that. So it was, it was just a great time to be learning the music. Working with George Landa, he is a singer-songwriter with Los Naughty Dogs, kind of giving us the history of how he got into music and uh, his formative years in Nogales on a border town and kind of sneaking into Tucson to head to the Chicago store. We'll be back to finish out that interview and talk about his uh, own creations, their music, their tributes to uh, the classics and to the classic artists like Lalo Guerrero. But uh, first, I want to remind you that you're listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM and available for streaming on Downtown Radio. Dot org. I will get back to the interview with George Land of Los Naughty Dogs and talk about the music of his later years and uh, what it meant when he moved to Tucson and found out about people like Lalo Guerrero. And then when I came back to Tucson in 99, I went up with a, a band called High Rise. We were playing at a bar called The Speakeasy. And it was great because they had the prettiest bartenders on the planet I'd ever seen. It was great because Hector Rodriguez, the late Hector Rodriguez, was a was a showman, entrepreneur, good, a good man. He gave us a lot of opportunity. I remember when I was playing in Portland before I came back here. Um, this one guy told me, "Hey, you got to follow your bliss." He told me, "This older musician, you know, so play, you know, that's great that you guys do all these covers, but you got to be doing your songs." He says. Sneak them in until you start doing your own shows. That'll open up more doors. But you got to do covers to get in. Mm-hmm. So that was, um, I started setting up the mission, and then um, in 2001, there was a band called Naughty Dogs in town. I joined joined them. They sucked. The bass player was cool, though. And um, we did a show at the Pima County Fair. Lana Rabago, who's a sweetheart, lover to death, she was our first gig there. We sucked. And these other guys in the band thought we sounded great. I turned to the bass player, and I said, I'm done with these clowns. I said, you in or you out? He says, well, I'm with you. I said, okay. I told the guys, hey, we're done with, I'm done with you guys. You're all fired. But it's our band. It was your band. It's my band now. And it's called Los Naughty Dogs. All you guys, all you clowns are out of here. And that was it. And I told, and then I got a bunch of my guys together and I told them, um, So you joined a band, kicked them out of their own band. Changed the name of it. Added bit, a loss. And, and took it over. <laughs> I took it over, yeah. I told the guys, look, we're going to get this great equipment. We're going to dress great. We're going to meet the prettiest girls in town. But you got to understand there's no money in this. But you got to be good to the music. If you're good to the music, the music is good to you. So I had guys that wanted on board. And we just started playing our original, writing my material, playing originals. And it just started working out. It just started working out. And we'd play stuff and say it's by my nah. And, um, What's great is um, Tony, the owner of Sharks, loved us. So we were like one of his house bands, and we got to play our stuff there. And it was a great time to be playing downtown. Okay. And Vaudeville was down here by the Chicago mm-hmm. store. And the Iguana had a great Santana cover band there. Mike Flannery was playing there, great guitar player. And the district had the rockabilly going and all that good stuff. 
And at Sharks, you know, we were doing the Latin rock stuff. It was rock in Espanol, they called it back then. When I ran into you uh, for the first time, I was introduced to you, it was at the Rialto, and uh, you were performing for um, in between sets on a, on a wrestling uh, card. And I, I thought it was sort of a gimmick. And then I, I start reading about you and hearing this. I mean, this you, you are like a Tucson institution. Uh, you, you've been all over the place. You know, you've got people, you've played with so many different people here in Tucson. It's just amazing. Because under that creed, you got to be good to the music. The music's good to be, you have to be honest. Because if there's only one person or if 100 people, you owe them what you've got. You've got to play it. And I have two examples, if you don't mind, I'll share with yeah, you. absolutely. Um, when I first formed the band, I told them, well, first thing we're going to do, fellas, is record a Christmas CD. And they go, what do you mean a Christmas CD? You know, ah. I said, you know, listen, we got to leave a Christmas CD because all of, I don't have any kids. But I said, all you guys are married. You have kids. You're going to be grandparents. And every year at Christmas, they're going to say, hey, put my uncle on, put my dad on, put my grandfather on. So in your families, you'll live forever. You know, they'll always play us at Christmas time. So we even did a song called Feliz Naughty Dogs. Feliz Naughty Dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Just with the tuba. We, we recorded with the tuba. I'll give you a Christmas CD. The, the reason for doing that was just to leave that legacy in your family. And we did it, we recorded it with love. The first time we heard it on the sense, it was great and we had tears. But there was a man named, named Dan Harrigan. Cox Cable used to have Access Tucson. It was um, mm -hmm. these late night cable shows. And Dan Harrigan and Don Arturo Rubio had two TV shows. The Harrigan After Hours and Don, Rubio, Don Arturo Rubio's Noches de Sonora. So it was cool because on Noches Sonoras, we played our, our rock and espanol stuff. And on the Dan Harrigan show, we could do our blues and original stuff. This is probably like 2002, maybe 2003. Christmas okay. 2002 or Christmas 2003. And they're putting on their, on their little screen, oh, and follow us on the internet at uh, this. This is our address. And they're talking to all people are watching us on the internet. And I'm thinking, nobody's watching this, <laughs> this show on the internet. We're lucky to be, you know, anybody's a Cox Cable subscriber that is, that's got insomnia. <laughs> this is the only guy watching this show. So we put up our, our Los Donny Dogs at Yahoo email address. We do our Christmas show. Well, I get an email a few days later from a lady in Terre Haute, Indiana. And she says her mom is from Tucson. And she was born in Tucson. But their connection to Tucson, the only access they have to Tucson is on their computer to the Harrigan show. And I'm like, this is boggling me. So I tell, and she said that her mom enjoyed the show. So I asked her for her address and I mailed her a, a CD. I got a letter like around January 17th from the daughter and she thanked me because her mom had died. She was dying. But our CD pacified the lady, gave her tranquility. She would listen to our CD all day and she died with a smile. And that was the power of the music that we touched that one soul. So the message was direct and I knew, I knew that we'd been given this opportunity by a higher power to do this. Because I've always said it's a gift. God mm -hmm. gives you a gift. And if you don't take care of it, it can go away. I was, I was looking at your, um, at your note here, and it's signed by uh, Reverend Land. Are you a preacher? Back in Portland, um, we had um, our drummer, um, who used to go by Reverend Galactica. <laughs> told us, I don't want you guys paying taxes no more. I'm going to ordain you guys. And what do you go, we go, what are you talking about? Well, his dad was involved with the Universal Life Church. So he ordained the whole okay. band. Okay. 
you know, at work. <laughs> we pl we've done lots of weddings, and I've had to do the vows for the people, and then we perform. Well, nice. That's, that's, the, that's the true wedding singer right there, when you're performing the wedding and singing. George, this is absolutely fantastic. I have no idea how I'm going to edit this down and, and to what, because this is just so much good stuff, and you've just, you've just thrown out so many names and places that I, I, I have to research. I don't even know. This is a huge chunk of history. And we're in a studio in an underground bunker in Tucson that no one knows about. And this is just just amazing that you are, are producing not just the music, but the, the that you're keeping the history and that you're pulling all of this, you know, and keeping it fresh and into different audiences. Because I, I just appreciate all that you're doing. It's phenomenal. Thank you. Um, it's it's really important to spread the message, whatever we what what. what what we have to share, because it'll get lost if we don't, if we're if we're not performing Lalo's song with honesty and conviction, it'll get lost. Um, the Chicano scene is 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 dwindling. That's why um, Lalo's son Mark. It's so important that he has the Chicano Chronicles that on his on his um, podcast and on the Chicano Radio Network to convey that message of a music that existed that was huge but it's disappeared it's dwindled well and uh, bands like yourself keeping it alive and bringing it into another generation because i'm sure you you will inspire someone else that will carry on that torch it was shared to me and i have to share Really a lot of fun interviewing George. You can tell he's got a lot of energy, a lot of passion. And uh, we actually edited out an entire section, which we talked about. Lalo Guerrero decided we're going to kind of pull that back and maybe mix that with some of the interview we had with Ruben Moreno uh, about Lalo Guerrero and some of the conversations we've had with uh, Lalo's son, Dan, and maybe put that together as its own little episode there. So look forward to that coming up later in the year. My name is Tom Heath. You are listening to Life Along the Streetcar on Downtown Radio, 99.1 FM, and available for streaming on downtownradio.org. <laughs>